now a lot of you guys actually use this word game fi game fi game fi most of the times and you guys actually know how that word was formed or how that word came about now let me bust your bubbles GameFi was actually coined by Yen Finance founder, who is like Andre Konji. We all know who Andre Konji is, one of the top contributing um, guys on the Phantom ecosystem. And he's also a South African developer that has made great waves and worked with a couple of good projects in the DeFi space. Now, he actually tweeted about it one time, like GameFi is going to blow up. And I think that was a tweet that spiked the word GameFi. And I think that was what kind of like came about it. And what really is GameFi? GameFi is more like the convergence of gaming and finance and it literally relies on blockchain technology for performance. So let's say GameFi is just you adding gaming and DeFi with like decentralized finance and then it has to be accessible on the blockchain technology. Now a lot of people are saying GameFi actually has the potential to revolutionize traditional gaming, bring about crazy cool stuff. I don't know what you think but that's a pretty pretty big hole i'm willing to like explore now the big question i want to ask you is do you actually believe web3 gaming is going to change the fundamentals or going to change how we see gaming in the coming future Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of your favorite web 3 podcast Inside the Hive with Fizzy. If you're a first time listener, I want to welcome you to the Hive. I hope you could find out some other exciting episodes after listening to this one. So you could check out a couple of our episodes and you know, do well to give us a 5 star rating and also turn on those subscription button so you don't get to miss out on whenever we get to release a brand new episode and if you're a regular listener as always man i love you guys thanks for supporting me and yeah guys by the way i just want to like thank you all for you know the support you guys have given me we smashed episode 50 but i did a mistake when i was recording that podcast and i said episode 49 hi how how could i have done that so guys that was our 50th episode this is our 51 episode Huge shout out to you all for supporting Fizzy. Thanks for always listening. Thanks for always engaging on my post. And also thanks for also engaging on our giveaway post. I'll be giving out a couple of NFTs as well after this episode. So do well to follow me on my X profile. Now, coming down to what's been going on in the crypto space this week, it's been crazy, guys. There's not really been much um, news going on lately. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but then I was able to pick out a couple of stuff from Samuel's Juice um, X profile where it gets to drop this weekly crypto news digest. So I'm picking up this. He said um, an employee at Phantom um, lost about seven million dollars to um, hacks. Now, this is one thing we need to take really, really serious in the crypto space, your security. Uh, Web3 security is something I feel most newbies and every one of us should try our possible best to, you know, to really, really be so top about it. It could happen to anyone though. I'm not saying we are, like, it's not happened to me. It makes me more better than you know. We just have to, like, you know, take it more serious. You can't grind and grind and grind and in the end, someone just comes and steals away your sweat. It's really, really painful. And moving on to the next news, I think Aptus Network shut down for about five fucking hours. <laughs> Guys, this is giving us the Solana vibe, you know. Aptus Network is shut down. You can't 
you can't do any stuff now it's just giving us this another vibe just like when they said sbf used to like shut down network so they could like clear people who are actually trading the financial markets now i don't know if that's what absence is doing or what but i think they need to get their ass and fix that shit back so guys what's been going on again i think star arena is back on moving and yes guys star arena are back um activities are back as well transactions are making well they're doing really well now it's up by um x2 i feel so yeah the total value has increased a little bit and the vibes are coming back and so if you guys were actually trading star arenas i just want to tell you that get your ass back in the arena and try getting on some couple of tickets so you don't get to miss out and by the way I said I was going to um, introduce um, some utilities to my ticket holders. Now, this is me giving a free shout out to them on my podcast. I'm going to be doing this weekly. So, if you hold my tickets, I'm going to give you a shout out. And when I give a shout out, I want you guys that are listening to this podcast to go follow them. Now, the highest order on my shares, sorry, my ticket, how am I calling this shares? On my tickets is Florida underscore man underscore yeah you guys should go follow florida underscore man underscore and you could also follow dark nft games he's also um one of my holders and you could also follow eric who's on the everlast team eric is actually holding my tickets you can follow him on x at exk 200 and you could also follow <laughs> this name is funny guys cock and bull crypto cock and bull crypto yeah and you could also follow the founder of chicken nft sherbuck homers on X at Shevok H. He's also um, a ticket holder on my um, tickets. So they are actually holding it. And you guys should go buy that shit right now. Go buy go buy my tickets. Go buy my ticket. More utilities are going to be coming down. <laughs> now, guys, moving down to today's episode, we are going to be having one of the Game Fire projects on Ava Labs. Sorry, guys. What's wrong with me? We're going to be having one of the Game Fire projects on Avalanche. And this is the Hachiverse. If you were following me on my X profile, you'd see a video I made about their game. I did a video review about their game and it's really, really cool. I think you need to check it out. We'll be having the founder, Pico Soul. And you know, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of decentralized monsters, which is Hachivas. And this is going to be an exciting and also an interesting episode, believe me. Don't go nowhere. I'll be right back after the short break and do well to give us that five star and also turn on those notification buttons, fam. and how you are doing glad to still have you are you on my podcast and just like i said on today's episode we're going to be taking a deep or a peep into the world of decentralized monsters which is um hatchiverse and we've got the founder of hatchiverse here with me um we've got pico souls how you doing man yeah good thanks man uh, thanks for having us it's a pleasure to be here oh yeah yeah it's a pleasure guys and you know when i when i when i literally like uh saw your name pico souls i what first came to my mind was like oh he's some kind of like solana guy or something how did you come about with that name oh, it's, 
Uh, there's a there's a deeper story to the Pico tag. I will leave that for a surprise for the future. But okay. my name is um Solomon. So Souls is just short for Solomon, really. Oh, 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 like Solomon the Bible. <laughs> okay, no bad, no bad, no bad. Pretty much, yeah, it's, it's a biblical name, yeah. It's one of them religious biblical names. Okay. Like easy ones to pick when you can't pick one. It's very common <laughs> where I'm from. Oh, where are you from? Uh, I have a bit of a mixed background, but it's like North Africa, Middle East, and uh, Turkish. Ooh, I hate Africa. I'm actually, uh, yeah, eth- ethnic mix, but uh, yeah, ethnic mix, but uh, born and raised in Australia. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Cultural. Now, <laughs> now he made mention about Australia, guys. I'm actually recording this podcast like way past. Um, this is close to like 12 p.m. right now. And I think in Australia, it's about past 7 a.m. or thereabouts, which is one of the limitations of this time zone. You know, I get to really, really stay up late most times, you know, trying to like reach out to people in Bangkok and Thailand. And it's really, really crazy, but I find it really, really interesting and exciting. Something I signed up for. So, yeah, man, just give us kudos whenever you get to like see an episode out on a podcast. Now, um, enough about the whole... Um, the stick. Could you like tell us a little bit more about yourself and you know how you found yourself in this rabbit hole called crypto? Yeah, right on, man. And yeah, sorry about the Australian time zones. They're infamous. <laughs> they don't go well with almost anything. Just the other few, like you mentioned, New Zealand, Bangkok, and that. But yeah, crypto. Uh, crypto is a strange one. Eh? It's had a few phases, and um, each phase kind of came with its own kind of like philosophical energy. They all had a very different. I'd say like uh, they had different drivers would absorb uh, different people. And um, I think like, for example, like the very, very first were not only like, I guess I'm um, not only able to kind of like be a little bit visionary in being able mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what this really early technology could potentially be. Like, you know, in, in 2008 or 2009, when, mm-hmm. Uh, Bitcoin was essentially released around that time. Uh, you could imagine it's difficult to interpret that it would be what it is today, you know, and <laughs> maybe we would all be better off. <laughs> uh, back then, I think they were getting the most, um, I, I remember it was like, uh, like people that were really into cryptography mm-hmm. and privacy. And uh, I think, I think they used to call themselves like sci- sci- cypherpunks or something like that. And, um, the next phase was a little bit kind of uh, half driven by those people and half driven by this, like what used to be known as like libertarian people that were into like self-sovereignty, independent rights, the power of the individual, yeah. the like the reduction of power of the state and the power in the citizen. This group is kind of like you would label them as like, some of the crypto anarchists, the like anarcho capitalists and such. And I kind of got in with that group. It was a time mm. when like uh, banking still was, uh, I would say, like being debated quite heavily. There was a lot of information going around about like central banks and how money worked and how all of the systems are essentially just almost, I want to say, uh, a kind of blend between like some maths, some illusion and some hypnotism. 
So, uh, and then of course this final, this last phase that we had was mm. a little bit more on the side of kind of like the DJs and stuff. Uh, like there, we still had some of the philosophical dudes, but I think there was a lot more people that were really just in it as like I could you know bet on a horse or I could bet on this crypto, and now all those. Uh, the meme coin, they're still going. We're still on like the long tail of meme coin releases. But yeah, I was kind of in that second one when I really got into crypto. I was really looking for like decentralized networks that could help us in this new age where like we're on other sides of the world, but we obviously have all of this means of not only communicating, but potentially changing things of value, things that we'd all experienced before in, in like video games and such. But it really made sense to me. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. It's, uh, a little bit longer because uh, I then got, like, it's a little bit longer story of how we got into Hachi. It was like many years of being in crypto and also being a game developer, then seeing like the new market explode, seeing the opportunity in funding potential or seeing the opportunity in like the potential of resources being funneled into a certain cause, a, a well-organized project could kind of explode if it was able to organize its community and the project organized well, had just this, like, I would say, exponentially uh, larger potential than before the whole, like, Web3 Web funding, et cetera. You know, like, before NFTs and, and this last phase, it mm -hmm. was almost, like, unheard of to be the basically fund the project in that way and yeah uh, being from gaming you really connected with me i could see a lot of really solid potentials for the blending of the two not only kind of like the like the business organization but this idea of like web3 and uh, digital community communities able to manage and organize themselves able to set up like these systems that can regulate that energy and, and move it forward. And we try to find the best intersection. We try to find the best combination. And, and that's where we came up with Hatchet, basically. Uh, you made mention about um, combination of the two and blending. I wanted to ask, do you mean when you say combination of the two, are you talking about Web3 web and gaming together or you're talking about Web3 and community? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of encapsulate mm -hmm. Web3 with community as well because we have mm -hmm. kind of like different expectations when we join. But yeah, I kind of meant, yeah, like you said, the first one, the, you know, we tried to find that combination of how like gaming and creative endeavors can combine with this idea of Web3 with kind mm -hmm. of like decentralized access to resources and decentralized effort being able mm -hmm. to combine into the same I want to say like uh, it's like having a lot of you know in Web three when you've got a well organized community mm -hmm. uh, if it really there's a lot of um, there's like there's a lot of details I guess there's a lot of um, nuances but for the most part there's these expectations and they come about because of the way that the technology works and and the culture of the Web three space I guess coming from that philosophical base. But there's a few expectations like having access to things, the decentralized group having essentially like power distributed 
to mm-hmm. the the greater group, which is a little bit strange for creatives because we're usually very strict on copyrights. You usually don't want people to use like your brand or to like usually mm-hmm. uh, a media when you're developing media. The idea of the centralized media doesn't usually come about. It's usually owned by like a small group. With with reason, there's there's like arguments to be made either way. It's something that we're constantly debating, especially with the structure of our project. But yeah, we tried to find what we believed was the kind of um like no nonsense, mm. uh, best value uh, combination for mixing this idea of Web three decentralization. And these ideas of like uh, building a media IP, this kind of like entertainment products, so to speak. Wow, I find that quite impressive. Now, I want to ask you um, this question. It's not really related to crypto right now. It's more like a real life question. Mm-hmm. Um, what really are you most grateful for currently right now in life? What are you most grateful for? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> um, it's good to be grateful every day. Uh, is that? Depends, I guess. I try to be, I just generally try to be upbeat. So, yeah, man, just the fact that we got up this morning, I guess, is a good start. But just generally, I think um, we're very lucky to be working on something that we really believe is like so much, that really has so much potential for like really a large group of people. Even right now, we work with, we're, we're kind of like a small company now. We're mm-hmm. roughly around like 25-ish people, all very passionate about what we're building. And um, only a few years ago, I was working in a big company, uh, having a little bit of like this like imposter syndrome coming from nearly a decade of indie development, going into a big corporation and kind of just like a cog in their larger machine and working on games that were successful, but not necessarily what mm-hmm. I would not necessarily something I would interact with. They were like, if you imagine like the top hundred grossing mobile games, most of them have a certain model. They're kind of very extractive models. They're lucrative for sure. They all make money, but they make money taking advantage of the weaknesses of their mm-hmm. player base. And they're constantly essentially setting up their systems to slowly hypnotize their audience and to extract from them, which I find to be, it's, it's uh, very strategic, but I, I see some kind of like insidiousness and some like deceitfulness and stuff. It's not something that I really wanted to be in. And um, being able to now be part of a collective that's working on something with really different ambitions, with like, of course, fundamentally, we're still making products. We still want to succeed. But we have a very, very different set of drivers. We have a different set of like, uh, we have a different philosophical base. And the mm-hmm. fact that we've been able to like find each other and that this technology has uh, like essentially helped to make these, make this opportunity. We feel so lucky to be in this time and being able to work on our own stuff. Really is something special to know that we are the, Essentially, we're the like drivers of our own fate. That we, as a collective, have so much just power over our own destiny and what we're doing every day. Yeah, that's that's hard to go past. So yeah, it's a big list. But if I had to kind of like pick the biggest ones, it's yeah. great to 
be alive and it's great to be doing what we're doing, bro. Thank you. Okay, guys, we had him right. Grateful to be alive. I, I, I like there was this popular <laughs> kind of saying I have like a new day above ground is a new day to be grateful, and uh, that's right that's, on, bro. That's hundred percent correct. You know, you you have any you wake up and it's like God giving you another chance for you to go do something great, for you to go become one of the world best. And I'm happy to hear that. Now coming down to like Hachivas, you know, like uh, I saw you guys white paper, you guys um are a team of like twenty five, and I would say that's it's not really it's it's not like it's not like a small group though because I've been saying like you guys actually got started in twenty twenty one if I'm correct right yeah right on and yeah it was kind of like early twenty twenty one or like late okay. twenty twenty actually okay. we kind of like initially got started on like this is what we're doing mm. we're slowly building since then I think it was twenty twenty one that we had our first release and we've been publicly chugging along since then. Okay. Now, I would love you to like, give us, you know, um, a brief overview of what Achievers really is all about. And, you know, how you guys are actually aiming to, like, transform the world of NFTs and GameFi. Yeah, right on, man. Um, so, the NFT itself mm. is, I want to say, like, quite, uh, it's a structure that lends itself to quite a few things. And um, yeah, as long as you need to kind of identify something as unique to every, to something else, kind of like an architectural tool. But for us, um, I guess like, so firstly, Hatchiverse is a decentralized media IP. For mm -hmm. some of those like keywords that we mentioned before, what we are essentially is a decentralized collective of creatives, developers, mm -hmm. artists, uh, designers, uh, all working together to basically uh, build a brand and uh, resources for that brand that anybody can use to go off and to generate their own products. So we've all heard the term user-generated content. Now, we're as we're going forward and giving users more tools and more rights, now we're going into a new phase with kind of like greater value potential for those independent users, a phase of user-generated products. And I say products in this thing where it's like a commercial product that the creator can independently uh, benefit from. So imagine, uh, you know, this is very common for the human experience that what you experience ends up inspiring you as kind of like the fuel for your next creative endeavor. So, for example, we go and we watch Pokemon, we play the Digimon games, we see all this stuff. It makes us more likely that the next time we sit down with a pencil and we're going to draw something, we feel like drawing one of those things that we experience. We say like, oh, you know, I, like, I want to draw like a Charizard or something since you've had so much fun with that thing for so long. Uh, unfortunately, the way that we currently work in media and in with copyrights and such, uh, if you were to go off and say like, I want to make a game, I'm really inspired by this other game I made, I'm going to make something that they don't make, you know, it's like they never made a story, they never made a story game about, you know, this particular character and you want to go off and do that. And let's say you do that and you get heaps of players and what you would assume success, you're actually not allowed to monetize it. 
you could get sued. That's the way that we usually work in copyrights at the moment. The initial creator has all of the authority and they can arbitrarily set conditions. You can ask them for their permission, but going back to those arbitrary conditions, they can just say whatever they feel like in that moment. Like they can just say, oh, I don't like the way you look. I don't want to give you the rights to it or you need to pay me this much. Usually it's a very, very big amount. So people like us, the normal guy at the bottom that was part of the brand's growth, part of the brand's success because of the kind of like the little support that we give at the bottom of the pyramid, we keep the pyramid up, you know. We just can't essentially benefit from it. We try to shift this a little bit, that we know in Web3, we already know the power of the community to drive the brand and to drive the project, to essentially funnel the like the 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 target audience and and help with marketing and all this kind of stuff that the community can do we've we've seen examples where you know like it's in like the open source movements where community actually comes in and and changes code or adds features fixes issues like security issues such so uh, these kind of things are things that we're kind of used to we just haven't really uh, combined them all in the way that I think Hatchy, like the, the team's done with Hatchy, where we've said like, uh, let's take these ideas from open sourcing where kind of anyone can contribute and it's like an open collaboration. Let's take these ideas of Web3 where we can, uh, in a decentralized way, manage the value generated. We can tokenize some of the creative products. We can tokenize them in a way that we can kind of like digitize the value. So now all of that work is represented by these tokens. So for example, in Hatchy, the Hatchy token mm-hmm. actually is the owner of the Hatchy brand. So anybody that owns the token technically has a share in the brand itself. So this is the actual ownership of all of the concepts, all of the like monster designs, world designs, and, and the greatest stuff that we're building. And uh, normally when you're going with a brand, you would kind of like go to the brand owners and say, I'd like to use your brand. So we set some simple rules that we have in our token contract that says, you know, like this is essentially the rules that we all abide by. One of them is like after a certain point of success, we take a small tax. That small tax gets given back to the DAO. So back to the, the tokens or the people that own the tokens, they use those tokens to manage the IP. So we try to kind of like bring it all together in that sense. And yeah, that's basically what we are. We're a, a token, we're a tokenized media IP, a decentralized media IP that anyone can use. We're designed very similar to Pokemon and Digimon. We're basically mm-hmm. a world of elemental monsters, like a D&D world with like spells and armor and dragons and all that kind of stuff with with essentially Pokemon. Our, our world, I guess one of the biggest things is like in our world, uh, because there's like, I want to say like, there's so much danger out there where like even, even a squirrel can like shoot lasers and stuff. You probably want to take, you probably don't want to go out really casually. Maybe you need a sword and a shield. Maybe you want to defend yourself. So we have kind of like our own little spin on it. But for the most part, it's something that we know is already kind of established a strong market category. Pokemon happens to be the world's largest media IP ever, grossing over uh, $100 billion when 
the the list was made i think like 2018 or something the last stats that i was able to retrieve and on that list of top 100 ips there's still a, a handful more that come out that overlap with this niche mm. of elemental monsters so well what we really want is to build a brand that anyone can use it's a bit, essentially a community built brand with different products that overlap to some degree but don't necessarily uh, like they can still deviate and give the user a, a broad experience mm. but still give value back to the users and yeah uh, so far so good and really looking forward to growing that out over this next phase and, and really uh, equipping the community with a lot more of this stuff coming up. Okay. Now, um, I want to take you back to something you made mention on when you, you know, describing how to You made mention about creators, 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 you know, creators, you know, mm-hmm. who really, or what kind of creators are you talking about? And also you made mention about, you know, you guys, um, taking a share and you know that share is going to be shared to Hachi token holders I think I said to you guys um, white people are aware it was said like once the business generates above is it $300,000 you guys get to like take yes. out 10% and 10% is then shared to Hachi tokens uh, has, has there been any kind of like initial um, how would I put it? Agreements with some kind of like a gaming project or some kind of like creators. And you guys have actually had an opportunity to flex that part of the contract where you guys get to take 10% of their revenue. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So the first one in terms of creators, mm-hmm. uh, when we look at kind of like any big media franchise in, mm-hmm. in like this new age, especially, um, they tend to have several expressions. Like when we look at like the biggest ones, for example, when you look at Star Wars, uh, Star Wars has everything from like stickers and like merchandise, like a pillow or a toy, to like books, comics, posters, games, movies. Each of these is essentially like fundamentally different skill sets. Like a game developer is very different from, for example, like a movie director. They have some overlaps, but for the most part, they're both focusing on two separate things completely, you know? And the only thing that brings them together in a sense is like the IP that they're all working with. Uh, we work in a very similar way. We're trying to attract creatives of essentially any discipline, anything from just like a casual artist working on maybe like individual images to like making uh, for our own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We like to have things like comics, merchandise, uh, animes, games. Uh, there's, there's a few things that all, like each thing individually has a potential to essentially uh, like establish an IP and mm-hmm. each one that gets added on really reinforces the IP, helps mm-hmm. essentially, we consider them as like almost like different verticals or yeah. funneling different target audiences back to the brand. So you can imagine like uh, like the Star Wars games, for example, they'll pull in people that maybe didn't even watch the movie. They just like, they just want to play the game and then they'll end up going and now they're familiar with all those characters and the world 
and they've already experienced that, they have some association, now they're more likely to go and watch the movie. Or if they see like a comic book and it's in a list of other comics, they're more likely to pick that one. So we see this as a kind of uh, like common phenomenon, I, said, uh, I could say. It's like this is like the common way people interact with these things. So we're trying to attract a little bit of everyone. Uh, most of these things can be quite lucrative, especially in this modern day where you can kind of make things digitally. Like it was very different when, you know, like even when you're printing something, there's like a fundamental cost. It's like logistics of printing, moving stuff around, storing it, getting to the like end point of sale and stuff. And all these things add cost, which is um, it kind of takes things a little bit out of reach. But in this day and age, we can like make an image and then you can copy and paste that image 10,000 times and there's no extra cost. So there's a little bit greater advantage, uh, but it's still difficult to kind of find things to to monetize or it's, it's, it's difficult to make a successful product because you need to wear so many hats. So one, uh, one extra thing that we try to do is we try to work together to try and reduce the amount of resources people need to succeed. So uh, we do try to get like self-sufficient teams that can do everything themselves. But for the most part, we try to establish an ecosystem where majority of the drivers, like having an audience ready and uh, interested in your product, having like basically a platform where your product can be like shown and get exposure and kind of all this stuff, which is like the foundation that we try to establish. And then from that point, we try to get almost anybody we can. So far, we actually have quite a few people that mm. are happy with the contract. Like what you said is like, do we have anyone that we've uh, got on board with yeah. this like agreement of 10%? Yeah. Uh, we tried to make it like really um, easy to interpret is a one rule for everybody. We tried to find the value that both gives us a high potential as a brand, as a community, but also allows the creator to benefit quite a bit before they have any overhead. So like, uh, like you said, it's actually 300K of earnings before they have to give a 10% uh, essentially a licensing fee back to the DAO. This gets distributed equally to all of the token holders to the DAO. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so far, uh, we don't actually have products that have earned more than 300K, okay. but we have a handful of products that are just about to go out. So we have a mobile game uh, that, that we're building with an internal team. We sometimes, there's there's a few ways that we could especially early on because we haven't fully established yet. There's a few ways that we uh, structure the deals, but at the moment we've got nearly five products about to release. So I would say uh, at the moment, we're a little bit hesitant to release stuff. We're kind of holding on until the market wakes a little bit up again, but for the most part, we've got uh, a mobile game, uh, indie dev, complete indie dev uh, working for this uh, with this agreement structure. Is working on a cooperative multiplayer game. Uh, there's another group working on a competitive multiplayer game. And then mm -hmm. we've got another NFT project 
that was um, about to release and we kind of intercepted and, and absorbed it into our ecosystem, which is kind of like another set of monsters. And then there's the there's like player characters, avatars. So we've got a handful of stuff about to release. We're also working on some comics. There's an author working on a book. We've got guys wow. working on quite a few things. Mm-hmm. This this is how we get to that number of we're we're about twenty five people, give or take a couple every now and then we add or, or remove one, but yeah for the most part, uh, we're just getting to that stage where products are starting to get to completion and we're going to start bringing revenue. So hopefully, next time you know by the night, next time we speak, we could look back and say like this is how much the mm-hmm. ecosystem is earning. This is how much licensing fee we bring in every period. And yeah, hopefully we've got a system that exposes all those stats. We're really looking forward to having that dashboard light up when there's a little bit more activity and hopefully soon we've got our fingers crossed. Interesting, man. Interesting. Because I, I was really, really, you know, I saw it and I was like, okay, you know, 300K feels, and it feels like a little bit high, but anything is quite possible when it comes to like Web3 and gaming. People could go crazy because of games. And I thought about the market. So I was like, okay, I was going to ask you guys in case, let me know if you guys have actually had some kind of project that has, you know, done crazy amount of money and that would have been amazing. Now, I want to know, you guys are actually on Avalanche. Why did you decide to build on Avalanche? Yeah, right on, man. Um, Avalanche, uh, so when we released, it was around um, 2021. And we were actively looking for what's the best chain. And it's very difficult even to answer that question now, but there's, depending on kind of like your perspective and where you lean in terms of like decentralization, like those early, like the philosophies we were talking about before of, of like the people that came into Web3, depending on where you're leaning there, you might have, um, let's say like different solutions uh, for us, our big pillars were like decentralization, low cost transactions because of the way our, our structure is. And uh, yeah, being on something that seemed, you know, valid and reputable, something that we can trust. And Avalanche really ticked a lot of those boxes. They had a great community, uh, very supportive, great network, uh, comparatively very cheap at the moment. We're not as exclusive. We're jumping around and adding other chains. We hope to be a multi-chain ecosystem with different products. We don't have any limitation of being chain only. We also make products that are like Web2 products where you know the game might have some Web3 component, but maybe it's a purely a Web2 game or maybe someone's making a T-shirt or something that doesn't need to be an NFT. So... Mm-hmm. We've got a few of these like other like, potential structures in a sense, but yeah, for the most part, uh, yeah, we yeah for for the most part we allow kind of like, anything to happen and we build in that direction together. Now I find it I uh, I love the part where you made mention about the low gas fees on Avalanche, and if any of you don't know. Gas fees on Avalanche are not really that crazy like the Ethereum chain. You could spend under one, 0.1 cents 
that you could cover lots of transactions. Uh, that's one why. That's why I really like Avalanche. That's one of the reasons why I like Avalanche as well. Avalanche has a very nice community, like you said. Avalanche has amazing and very good community members that are going to welcome you. Now, are you guys? Would you say you guys are, let's say, VC funded, or is there any kind of like financial support from the Avalabs team to your projects? Oh yeah, man! I wish there was actually a few <laughs> programs that came out in the Avalanche space. But no, we've been. Um, I uh, I originally started in game dev, and originally it was like in my bedroom as an indie game developer, learning how to code and making my first games. So I'm used to working in difficult situations. I should say, like like I'm used to working in a way where we're not funded too well. Most of the guys that work with us, they're from emerging markets, so they don't need like ten thousand dollar a month salaries. They're all happy to essentially just get by in like cheap countries where you might only be spending three or four hundred dollars a month to survive. So that really helps us that we have a, a low cost just to kind of like survive. And then the rest is like we're mostly we're like self-funded. We rely purely on like sales of product or or like we have kind of an ecosystem in which when you Buy some when you essentially like let's say you get an NFT, you could stake your NFT and get tokens, and those tokens can be reabsorbed to continue your collection. So uh, it's all of this stuff that's been funding us until now. There was some grants and different programs and stuff, and I I can't say we didn't try, mm-hmm. but I think with the product that we've currently got knowing how like nfts kind of came and went there was a lot of uncertainty there was a lot of um i don't know there was there's a lot of doubt i would say of like why nfts are even valuable and then we were kind of an edge case we weren't very similar to many other projects so i think it caused some hesitation but we've been very very confident in it we've been happy to essentially fund it ourselves now we're getting very close to release so there's not as much anxiety for the team. We're really eager to get it out. But yeah, it, it has been a bit tough, I guess, to get to this point. But we're very lucky that we have a really supportive community that you yeah, you really can't ask for more. We all work together in kind of like deciding everything that we do to yeah, uh, to even building the stuff independently together so yeah Ouch. we try to set up in a way where we need the least resources and hope and, and luckily luckily we've gotten this far hopefully we'll get to the end fingers crossed we're getting pretty close okay but just but just like a very quick one uh, what's the highest amount of funds you guys have gotten in grants what's the highest before we go to short break uh we we haven't gotten any grants but so far we've spent about like we've earned maybe uh, all up about 450 maybe 500k and then we've got our own funds that we've put in there as well but we didn't do any grants we either from product sales or did you say did you say 455k about 450 to 500k we've earned and then outside of that we had our own like even before we had any products to release we were uh funding it from our own pockets and even now some of us do other jobs 
and we just funnel some funds back into the team. Like I do a consultancy job. I, okay. I take funds back into the team. Some other guys do UX and stuff and they'll bring it back into the team. Okay, guys, we just found out that it generated close to $500,000 and that's superly amazing. Now, we'll be going on a short break, guys. And when we come right back, we'll definitely be asking Pico Soul some more questions about Hachivas. Hey guys, glad having you join us from that short break. Uh, I've still had, I've still got on Picoso, who's the founder of Hachivas, and you know, taking it deep into what Hachivas really is all about. You know, got to like know more about the team, and we were at the junction where he made mention about them. You know, getting or generating funds close to five hundred k, and it's quite surprising that it's there's no support from Ava Labs from you guys. You know, seeing how you guys are building something really, really great and something really really amazing is, is this how is it is it really really hard to like get support from the Lab team because most projects that i guess like you know um get on my podcast most of them really don't get funded by Eva Labs. why is it like that <laughs> it's a tough one to answer man yeah, um, big... so okay so people have been following us, they've heard me for quite a bit, so they know that I've had mixed sentiments on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just to answer it quickly before delving deeper, is um, it is from my experience not super easy to communicate with or to receive like support and any type of re- any to re- really any type of support, let alone like monetary support from the Ava Labs team. Uh, how to interpret that? There's many ways, really, but for us, it came down to kind of like reviewing our pillars. Uh, we chose to do like the decentralized way because we wanted to avoid gatekeepers. We liked the idea of being able to act, uh, like w- being able to use the system to act without the need of a third party. Mm-hmm. So in terms of accessing resources i think if we had not chosen web3 uh the closest to the web3 model is probably like something like a kickstarter it's very difficult to succeed on something like kickstarter to get funding so uh we're really grateful for the way that the technology and the market structures have allowed for us to access to some degree like enough funding to get us this far. Of course, this is a global competition. We're all fighting for the user attention. And the more resources you have, the better you can do. So we'd always try to chase it up. But then we, after, I guess, like just the realization of failing for so long, trying to access resources with kind of like, you know, like a grant or something, um, we just kind of said like maybe we shouldn't have an expectation that anybody yeah. else is going to help us yeah. and maybe yes. we should just like set ourselves up in a way where we can best i guess like best access resources be kind of you know spending as little as possible be frugal as possible and just kind of do it the old-fashioned way so that's that's how we're doing it now it's 
if we've been able to get ourselves this far, we're grateful. <laughs> this is back to your question before. <laughs> this, we're really happy to be working in the group that we are doing what we're doing. So as much as we could be in a better position, we could mm -hmm. always be in a worse position. <laughs> we don't we don't test too much. It's a thread we don't want to pull. But uh, for the most part, we're still looking. We are still looking for funding. Uh, mm -hmm. Like networks are battling for products. Most of the Web3 products are relatively superficial. They're kind of like derivatives based on other derivatives that yeah, are arguably no. not valuable. So, you know, it's like, oh, this thing gives you an interest based on, you know, this token that you're holding, but the token fundamentally has no value and has really bad, like, economic like structure and stuff. Like, it's, you know, infinitely inflated and like, all of these, like, crazy things. So, yeah, it's easy to kind of, like, get lost in all of this, like, quote-unquote innovation, but to some degree, it's really superficial, whereas we have some established business models that we know are, like, very high chances of, uh, I want to say, like, a very lucrative success. So, for example, even without Kickstarter, for example, even without Web3 NFTs, uh, video games have been slowly making their way to the highest grossing uh, for the media industry. So now the entertainment industry, I think the highest grossing section of the entertainment industry is games. When you get out of like this Web3 bubble, there are VCs funding studios or buying studios. Uh, studios are turning into global entities, moving in the direction of kind of like building a product. And um, we see platforms are battling, but for the most part, like most experiences are multi-platform. You see, like famously, Fortnite was even able to be cross-platform with PC and mobile, essentially almost ending the debate of whether mobile was considered legitimate to gaming or not. So we've had these situations where you see like platforms battling, but fundamentally it's about the experience that you can have. The platform may facilitate it to an extent, but really it's not the stage, it's the show. It's, it's whatever's on the stage. So we are looking for, so to speak, a better stage, better events to be in. But for the most part, we're doing what you would do in, in Web2, where you would be in kind of like almost every market you could be in. Like just because you're on Steam doesn't mean you're not going to go to the Epic Store. Probably you're going to try to be on both. Just because you're on desktop doesn't mean you're not going to go on mobile. You're probably going to try to do both. That's where we are at the moment. We're looking for whichever good chain can facilitate our product structure like we have quite a few we have quite a high volume uh, of that's... transactions that need to occur okay. so yeah we need we need something cheap so as long as it satisfies all of our criteria we'll be mm -hmm. trying to go out broadly and and trying to find as much resources as we mm -hmm. can but really we're going to try and fund ourselves with the traditional market so yeah fingers crossed i don't want to hate on anybody that's why I tried to deviate away a little bit from the question and answer it the best I can. Because yeah, no, 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 I, I, think I definitely get your point. Like it's, it's cool, man. Everybody has his own opinion on how things have been done. And when I see something that is right, I get to call it out. And when I see something that is wrong, I have to call it out. I'm just, I'm just speaking like based on you know I've had a couple of projects come, and when I ask, are you guys getting funded? They're like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. 
So it amazes me when I see, you know, I expect the chain to support native projects like that because that's how we could all grow in the beer market. The beer market is really, really unbearable for everyone. We have to admit it. It's yeah, Things are really yes. hard, you know. It's kind of like tough. So yeah, brother, it's supposed to be like they should have some kind of support system to like push projects quite up. But in a very quick one, how would you say, or what would you say has, has been your challenges in building Hachivas? Like in a very quick one. What have you guys been your challenges? Yeah, man. It's, it's a bit of a juggle between trying to find like the expectation of the market and mm. create the create something competitive we're working with a very very small budget so mm. we try to be as effective as possible with the mm. limited tools that we have limited resources that we have uh, we're doing a lot so it's quite a it's quite a juggle behind the scenes you can mm. imagine trying to like a game alone is probably a strong like enough <laughs> focus enough yeah. of a project to put all of our focus but we've got several of these happening in parallel next to several nft projects next to some like books and stuff that we're we're building um and honestly i think the bigger challenge is just generally like promoting and stuff so just to connect this with your previous question i think in some cases in many cases mm. uh for not only us but those other projects most of them, they're relying on their project. Like us, we're relying on our project. So we really, to us, even exposure is a significant support. So that could really help. It's been very hard to surface our project. And this probably is the most challenging thing. It's been extremely difficult to try and get attention on our project in such a saturated space where there's really only a couple places to essentially for you to stand out, for people to see you. Yeah. There's so many Web3 projects fighting for kind of like the Twitter thread and you're trying to get people with followers just to give a signal. It's really, really hard to do. That's one of the things that I wish Ava Labs was a little bit more lenient on. They have a kind of, this is the only complaint that I have is they have this, um, I want to say they have different conditions that they don't, like they don't openly show where one project might get a whole bunch of support, uh, like outside of funding, because they get a whole bunch of like promotion and stuff. And some projects are having trouble just to get a message back. So that would be really great. But uh, we're trying to mitigate it whatever way we can. We've got different ways of getting exposure. So we're focusing on that. But that's been the hardest thing. It's so hard to surface okay. a project, man, in Web3. But I want to ask you, did you, were you able to like watch my, my um, video review about Hachivas? I did see, I think it came out a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. refresh me on which point, but I remember seeing a bit of it. And I think that was, that, that was like a few weeks. Yeah, that was my Twitter. I was the one who actually yeah. put it out. I was trying to like give more exposure to game five projects that are building in Web3 and majorly in Avalanche mm -hmm. as well and other chains. And I think it got a little bit of retweets from, you know, the Avalanche um, gaming accounts. So, yep, uh, that was not bad though. I had a couple of my friends wanting to try out the game and I was like, okay, um, you could get started by you know getting some cards and i've been speaking with your team and they said they were going to you know give us um a couple of eggs sorry they're going to give us a couple of eggs mm -hmm. i will be putting it out on the twitter giveaway so guys you just heard it from me there's going to be a giveaway and you guys could have a feed of what hachi version is all about i staked my shiny staked a couple of my monsters as well and i've been earning 
Hachi tokens. It's quite small though, but just stacking them up for the bull run, you know, trying to see if I could make it. <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, <laughs> we've got we've got quite a strong I uh, not just me, but there's a couple of us, but I come from a finance background. I spent quite okay. a bit of time there and uh, like we kind of mentioned before, I really got into crypto during that early phase where it was uh, really overlapping with this idea of banking and the monetary system and how these economic systems should be structured, basically like those little rules. So we're very particular about the little rules of how the token works. So even though it's a small amount, it is an absolute share. So it's like this, there's, it's a non-inflationary token. So there's only 1 billion of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a majority of that actually goes out to the audience. The idea with Hatchiverse is that when we think back to any brand that we've ever dealt with, so take yourself back to like your, like like being in school and let's say like you had like Pokemon or maybe you were uh, like hanging out with like maybe Marvel was big or something. So mm-hmm. usually what you do is you go into this environment, you go to your friend, you say, have you seen this thing? And then you do all of this like promotion for them. And then you go into the game and then your like positive stats uh, and interaction with that game is helping the thing grow. You know, back in the day when they would go to like a theater, they would do the play and then the people that did the play would then turn to the audience and then mm-hmm. they would bow to the audience. Yeah, They're bowing as a way of saying thank you to the audience. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, thank okay. you for being there and legitimizing <laughs> what we're doing here on the stage. So the audience is very, very important. And what we try to do is we try to set up our system in a way where the people that are the audience, uh, the way that we bow to them is by giving them a share of the, of the show. So it's like, here's, here's your share of the Hatchy universe because without you, we wouldn't be growing. So in that way, the more that you interact with the brand, so not only those cards, but when we get the games out, there'll be a bunch of ways to get it through the game. It's not inflationary. So it'll be constantly recirculating the, the same amount, almost like the amount of water on earth hasn't changed, but you know, it dries from here and then it rains from there and then the rivers always flow. In the same way, we have like, you know, certain places where the tokens are emitted. We have certain places, usually more places, where the tokens can be absorbed and we try to maintain a strong economic system that way. We try to use the system as a way of incentivizing people to check us out and it kind of feeds the the potential. So if you imagine, because they're going to get rewarded more, now there's more people likely to sit on those seats and watch the show. And because there's more people watching the show, there's more attention on the stage and there's more for everybody. So we're trying to identify those uh, like relatively organic, I want to say like situation. And then we try to best use this technology to take advantage of those. Yeah. I was very happy to hear that you got a shiny. That's a great experience and yeah i'm looking forward to um, hearing about the rest of them we've got a bunch of them to send out to you guys and yeah i can't wait to hear about the the guys that get them it's usually pretty good so yeah looking forward to it too yeah i got a shiny man that was that was like i have a lucky star guys 
It's really hard. <laughs> it's like it's like a two point five percent chances of you getting a shiny. And when I found, I was like, "Yeah, man, let's do that." But it feels good, eh? <laughs> yeah, it feels the guys good. really nailed it. <laughs> but um, it's, coming, it's a great coming, system. Coming down to like the Hachi token, I I I read where it's like you know, it's more like a token that does with governance in the Hachiverse. Now I want to ask, what kind of decisions can you know token holders like get to like influence? coming to the Archivers ecosystem. Yeah, right on. There's a few things that we try to, I guess, like separate. So mm -hmm. they're more easily distinguishable. So first and foremost, we try to, we, we set some really simple rules early on about what is allowed to happen and not allowed to happen. For the most part, things are, I want to say, in a more natural way regulated. Mm -hmm. It's like we know we know certain things are more likely to happen because this is what people are used to. So those kind of things we don't worry about too much. Uh, for us, we try not to kind of like micromanage or, or make it too burdensome of a process to kind of deal with the bureaucracy. So what we've done is we've set some really simple rules. It's like this is the brand. Uh, if you basically use the name or any of the components, you're using the brand and then you're liable to this thing after this amount, unless people vote to give you some kind of special treatment okay. or people vote to change these rules. So the rules are established. If people want to, just like any organization, they could come together like a company. They could come together and say, we'd like to change some of the rules. Okay. But for the most part, it's just the basic, like, you know, this is the brand. This is the, uh, this is like what makes you liable to have been using the brand. So these are the conditions that once you do this, we consider you as using the brand. Uh, and we don't really have too many points at which you really need to vote. It's like if you want something different from these rules that we've already established, then it's time to vote. It's very similar to if you imagine like you're playing a game of soccer. It's like as you start, you already know the rules and everyone is like, usually you're not playing like a world-class match where you've got like six referees or something. Usually just playing like you and your friend, everyone knows the rules. And then if you want to have some special different rule, you have to have some agreement from all of the parties involved. And we try to keep it as simple as that. Like we all know what we need to do. It's easy enough to set up a vote, for example, to say, you know, I would like to make a product and I don't want to pay the tax. I don't want to pay as much. I don't want to pay as often. And then you could just get a vote and everyone could vote on, or you could suggest something like, you know, I want to change one of the rules, change one mm -hmm. of the values, and you could vote on it. But yeah, for the most part, it's not really necessary. So we do have it as a... a like a, a base design. We've expressed it very simply for now. We intend to have better tooling in the future. Mostly it comes after the dashboards, but it should uh, become more and more relevant because one of the things that, uh, one of the main attributes to this like DAO is just being able to point to it as an entity and then to kind of like, uh, signify that entity as the owner 
So then when it comes to a situation where, for example, like, you know, someone's used the brand and uh, there's some conflict, it's like we know that that entity is responsible. But... So we've just kind of like established it as a person, like as an owner, as an entity. Okay, well, has there been any kind of like uh, an example of where the community has influenced some kind of project direction in the achievements at all? Yeah, man. You see, it's very common in, especially like indie games, where mm. uh, you have like an early access and then you get feedback from the audience. Mm -hmm. In our ecosystem, it's very, very similar to this. Since we uh, develop in public, we usually develop quite openly. We have uh, contributions in almost every way. Everything from uh, different like ideas to like monster designs or different ways like the world can work. We have people jumping in to even create things by themselves or to suggest different ways to set up any of our systems. So uh, almost everything we've done until today has always been an open discussion. Even now, we always say, uh, we, we try to empower the community as much as possible. There are even situations where like, we'll have something and someone will suggest they've done differently. And it will either, either be that we'll like, take the idea and uh, kind of integrate it, or we'll just give them what we're working on and let them take a different direction. So then we end up with like two versions of this thing. So we've, always had it open and we always encourage it so almost everything has been like that okay okay i'm glad to like know you know i when i see some stuff i love to like know if it has you know implemented you know most of these white papers we get like we you know no i'm not trying shit at any project but most people just try to <laughs> just make up stuff that <laughs> doesn't go down in the ecosystem i'm really really glad seeing that you know token holders are actually having a decision just like me guys the fact that i hold hachi token right now means i get to like have a say and i get to vote in most proposals so i'm definitely going to participate and use my franchise in the hachiverse ecosystem now i would love to talk more you know let's do a little bit short review about most of you guys products like you said, you guys are actually building stuffs in parallel and it's really, really amazing. You guys are building, building the Hachi Masters, Hachi Pocket, Hachi Rampage, Hachi Akania, Hachi Magica, Hachi Indigence. <laughs> and you guys actually have in works right now Hachi World, Hachi Go, and Hachi... Like, how do you guys keep up building? How? Yeah, right on, man. It's a little bit of, uh, there's a couple things at play here. Um, first is like, there's several teams. So Arcania is led by its own independent team. Magicka, Rampage, they have their independent teams. Uh, Omnigen and Masters, they overlap, but uh, like the teams are overlapping to some degree, but mm -hmm. they're also... Uh, kind of working on a on a different project and these are kind of like the resources and this brings me to my next point uh, mm -hmm. so the first one is that we have several teams the second one is that we come from a production background and we come from our like low funding production background like an indie development or small studio development where you have to really make your pipeline like your production needs to make sense 
So what we try to do is we try to set up our production roadmap in a way where we're basically building towards something really, really big, but the small parts at different milestones are already good enough to release as an independent product. So for example, we're really building uh, MMO. We'd love to have like the deepest economy you can have is actually an MMO because then you're fundamentally a new planet. Like in this world, anything goes and, and you have full control of basically the flow of energy, the currency, the values that get generated there. So in, mm-hmm. in the MMO, we can have anything from like, you know, here's a dragon, go kill it, get a scale, make a shoe, and it's just infinitely deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to make an MMO, you need everything from like lots of buildings to make like towns and cities, lots of different environments to make the world feel big, lots of different content in those environments to make the world feel meaningful and immersive. And then that content kind of goes infinitely. Uh, though you can imagine each one of these is kind of like big sections. You know, like uh, the very first one that we did is yeah. like we focused on the development of the monsters. So yeah. those monsters work great to fuel the resource pool. Now anyone can use those monsters in their games. So they are available right now. You don't need to own the tokens. You don't need to be part of the DAO. You're just allowed to use our stuff for free until you get to 300k so there's no friction for someone to come in and then uh what we did with those monsters is we made the rampage game and -hmm. while the rampage game is being built the 3d artists are still doing buildings and environments ultimately for the mmo but as those like uh buildings and environments get done there's a little bit greater pool so then magica for example came along and said I need buildings. I need monsters. This is great. So they were able to take that into their project. And then our guys, they're building characters. So they're part of the Masters NFT. We're working on an avatar that basically goes with you between different experiences. So in some world, they're 2D. In some world, they're 3D. So we're building this. And as we start kind of completing a significant set of these characters in 3D, the guys in Arcania have all of the resources they need to mm. develop their product. So you see that while we're slowly walking towards this MMO that we really want to build, this mm-hmm. larger world, uh, we're slowly finishing this other stuff. And then you'll see different things make sense. Like Hachigo, for example, is like a location-based game. The systems and stuff, they're all built. They're just waiting for the rest of the content to be built. But It'll basically tie in so you could wander around and get a little bit of an early MMO experience where you're still getting all of those resources and stuff. It ties into the avatars where you could be crafting different things to wear. But yeah, ultimately, we're trying to make an ecosystem where all of these things are connected. So we're trying to work towards this like Web3 interoperable account system, uh, one ecosystem for all of your hatchy experience we're working towards that and on the way we do whatever we consider as a meaningful milestone as a as a competitive product we release some stuff and and that's the only way we've been able to kind of juggle so it's helped to have some experience in production Mm -hmm. to be able to set it up that way so far it's going pretty good we're a little bit slower than we thought we would be 
we thought at this time we might get a little bit further, but at least we're steady. So yeah. we're grateful. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the point, man. You got this of how you guys are at least you guys are steady and you guys are consistently building. So it's really amazing. Like I, I had no idea you guys had separate teams. So I was thinking it was let's say um the whole team running the whole team, the sorry, the whole team running the whole affairs and all. And it's nice seeing some mm-hmm. kind of branches and you know, giving people selective tax and all. Now, this is kind of like a, a question from the future. <laughs> Have we seen any kind of like involvement of Hachi tokens in real life, um, you know, in real life um, activities or stops around us? Is this a possibility? Yeah, right on. Uh, we try to set up, so we come from like a game design background and uh, especially like my specialization in game design is economies and like the player behavior. So we try to set up all of our systems to drive different types of behavior. And the way that we've tried to establish the token is it's essentially its own layer of value. So you can imagine as a creator, when you make something, you're technically bringing value back to the brand. But at the same time, all of those people that are participating in this brand they have a few different things that they can spend. Ultimately, it's it's value. You know, like we already know in Web3, if the token is trading and you can get in and out of it, it's just as good as money. And in this way, mm-hmm. uh, we already have established ideas. Like, you know, when you're playing, especially a mobile game, but almost any game these days, you have these two layers of currency. You have like your uh, like gold and then you have gems. So we call this soft currency and hard currency. The way that we've set up our product so far is each game has its own internal currency, like gold, the soft currency. And then we use the Hatchy token as Mm. the hard currency, as you would use the gems, for example. So in this way, as a developer, I can give the user something that costs me almost nothing, right? It may be like a small opportunity cost, but you could argue that without it, maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity. So, for example, I could say uh, in my game, you could spend $1 of Hatchy tokens and get like an upgrade in the game. So without this offer, maybe you wouldn't spend that $1. But having given you this offer, now I can get a dollar more of the brand or I can just take that and then sell it into market as I want. Though knowing that this... Uh, like the developer or whoever's creating this product, the product owner is actually building the brand. They already have an incentive mm-hmm. to own more and more of the brand. So it should kind of hopefully give them a couple options there where not only are they driven to absorb the token because now it gives them a greater share, which means like reduced, uh, for example, like reduced licensing fees or better yet, they'd be receiving the licensing fees of the other projects. And ultimately, what we need to look at is like when you take a quick glance at some of the other, I want to say like media franchises or successful games, every now and then you'll get something happen where an indie developer will, you know, like throw something together and they'll be able to compete at the 
top tiers. Like they might, it might be an indie team of like five people and they'll make like a top 100 game. And this top 100 game will go off and within a year, they might even go up to a billion dollars. There's a handful of these stories that I could think of off the top of my head. Stuff like mm. you know, PUBG or stuff like Dota, stuff like Auto Chess, where developers kind of like made almost like a new genre and they burst uh, into the billions. So there's always that potential. So there's this fundamental design, these drivers fundamentally, that should encourage people to move in the direction of both charging for the tokens and in wanting to, like, and actually desiring to collect them, desiring to have as many as possible. And yeah, it, it all comes down to the way it's designed and the incentives for those for those people. So we, yeah, we're pretty mm -hmm. confident that it should work itself out. We've got the same desire now. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why we have everything in our environment. You can buy it with Hachi tokens. Amazing, amazing. I don't know, guys, but I've had a very interesting moment with Picosoul, you know, got since like no more. Uh, now I know more. I, I guess I'm going to value my Hachi tokens <laughs> way earlier than the way I value them. Before I let you go, Picosoul, I just want I just want to ask you one question. So what where do you see Hachivirus heading in the coming future? We just got a couple of minutes. Before. Yeah, right on, man. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. We're we're just about to finish some stuff. We're actually just doing the build. We've been doing the we've been building the game, the first release over this next week. Short term, we should hopefully have quite a bit to interact with. Our long term objective, we're trying to think like what kind of world could we be in? Like what kind of ecosystem could we create if we, for example, have you know thousands of like users, uh, like an audience of thousands of people waiting for the next product that are, know the brand and they want to. You know, in the same way that we wait for like the next Pokemon game, we've got like a group of people that already know the brand, they're waiting for the next product. And then we think like, how about if we had, like in terms of in, in terms of marketing, that kind of gives you a solution. And then in terms of like creating products, imagine you have access to all of these assets for free, access to other creators and other designers to get feedback from and stuff. Then uh, what kind of potential could we have to attract developers where we see Hachi is an ecosystem of, you know, hundreds or thousands of devs all kind of working independently for their own products. And this way, slowly making our way onto that top hundred media IPs and slowly trying to dethrone Pokemon as the world's largest IP. Pokemon mm. has 3000 employees. Wow. We can with web three, have more than 3,000 devs working on, you know, more than one product a year. Pokemon makes one or two products a year. If we can continue the way we're going, we should hopefully have, you know, five or 10 products a year. We should be working faster than those bigger brands since those big brands, they rely on small groups and we have the potential of, we could be millions of people working on this brand. So that's really what we want to be. We want to be one of the, top 100 media IPs, if not taking that coveted first position where Pokemon's been for decades now. <laughs> well, I'm really rooting for you guys. If you guys want to like pick um, over Trill Pokemon, that's, that would be huge. You know, I'd be like, hey guys, I had 
achievers who, <laughs> who are trying like the leading in the, in the gaming markets. I had them on my podcast one time. That's a huge feat for me. But thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for coming sharing me what you guys are building. Thanks for letting us know what really Hatchivers is all about and you, how you guys are trying to like help creators and also provide a very enabling environment for gamers in Web3. Before you go, could you please just drop your social media handles for the Hatchivers um um address sorry for the Hachivas accounts and also your personal accounts just in case people would love to like follow you guys up yeah right yeah thanks man it's an absolute pleasure to be here and these are the yeah we really rely on these kinds of platforms so really thank you for sharing your platform and helping us get some exposure they can check us out anytime on our twitter at Hachivas h-a-t-c-h-y-b-e rsa on twitter x or you can uh, check our website it's hatchyverse.com spelled the same way it should be linked on our twitter anyway you should get yeah. links from our website and our twitter to our discords and anywhere else that we might be but that's the best place to check us out is on twitter at hatchyverse okay amazing guys i'm going to be dropping um the websites um link to Hachivas down below in the description segment so if you guys want to check them out you guys should check it out i'll definitely drop it and if you want to follow us on x a lot of people get i get i get confused most time when i'm about saying x i say twitter most times but <laughs> it's now <laughs> x so if you want to follow us on x you can follow us at inside d hive it's spelled that inside and just a letter d not T H E, just like a d d hive and you can as well follow me on x at that underscore thank you boy Thanks for coming, speak on my podcast, Pico So. And uh, I definitely rooting for you guys and wishing you guys success in whatever you guys are going to be building coming years and coming months. Thanks, bro. Been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.